I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We got a crazy finish at the Valspar Championship at Innisbrook this week, which saw Taylor Moore get his first win on the PGA Tour, outlasting Jordan Spieth and Adam Shank on the Snake Pit on Sunday. Turning the page to the Dell match play this week, we have a stacked field sporting some of the best players from around the globe, including the big three, Scotty, Rory, and Rom. The big players will make their picks for the weekend, talk about what we're looking forward to at Austin Country Club, the last year that this will host the Dell match play event. On to other news in the golf world, we'll talk about Rory's club changes at the match play, Scotty's newly released Masters Champion Dinner menu, and the new golf ball changes that have been dividing the golf world over the past couple weeks. Make sure to head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at Big Players Only Pod, and check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Thanks everyone for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, we're wrapping up a decent weekend of golf that saw a lot of excitement on the last three holes on Sunday. Once again, not an elevated event this week at the Valspar in Innisbrook, but a course that we know a lot about. It's a lot of fun to watch, but it was competing against March Madness, so I think a lot of us had our eyeballs on the basketball this weekend. But Taylor Moore gets it done for his first win on the PGA Tour. Guy's been on tour for seven years. I certainly knew the name, but I did not know that he had been on tour for that long. We had Adam Shank and Jordan Spieth both both in the mix there late on Sunday. Tommy Fleetwood a little bit. Let's get around the guys. What do you think? Uh, any thoughts on the course? And then, uh, Tully, we got to hear from you about Jordan Spieth this weekend. Thought you had one. It was yeah. a good pick. I mean, yeah. better than any pick you made, Ken. Yeah, you're right. He was complimenting you there, just so we're clear. And you were like, <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 <laughs> don't fucking talk to me right now, okay? <laughs> just telling you, it was a good pick. This was another perfect tournament to not pay much attention to. Maybe check the leaderboard each night and then come in Sunday afternoon and kind of watch the back nine. And again, there were plenty of storylines. I think, Ben, you sent it out. Like, the top four guys each had something they were going for. Like, uh, most guys, it was their first win or first win in forever. Webb Simpson, first top ten in however long. Jordan Spieth kind of getting the monkey off the back a little bit. So, again, a lot of drama, especially in the back nine. Of course, played tough, so it was, you know, conceivable that this guy who posted a good score could hang in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am on that exact same page where I was not paying much attention to the tournament other than the occasional check of the leaderboard as uh, after I watched my bets lose during March Madness. And, you know, I tuned in for the on Sunday because there you know only one game going on. It was kind of easy to watch the back nine, watch some of the, the unfortunate collapse of my boy Jordan there. Um, but I think my favorite part of this, like all uh, storylines aside of, you know, the individual players and all that kind of stuff was how it basically – proved everything James Hahn was, like, complaining about with all, like, the designated events and how player, you know, big-name players that are already, you know, locked in. can And then this other guy just wins. You know, someone that wouldn't be getting into any of those events, and now he is going to be in all those events next year. Right. It's like, I think that James Hahn thought that we're just going to, like, pay our, pay our big stars and only let our big stars play in the elevated events, but it's just going to be based on performance. And a guy like Taylor Moore, he wins – He's probably in the next four or five elevated events just because of that win. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah a, win, a win this week is, is – or not this week, this year is huge for, for anyone, especially someone like Taylor Moore because, yeah, you, like you said, they get in all the elevated events next year. I yeah, he jumps to ninth in the FedEx Cup, so he just has like an average season the rest of the year. He's, he's in elevated events for 2024. He gets yeah. in the Masters, I think. Yeah. All the other majors. Potential, yeah, for all the other majors. But James Hahn comes in like 120th, but he's not making the elevated <laughs> events this year, yeah. This is like the the prime point. You want to get in these elevated events, but yet there's some of these big firepower names out there. Go beat them. Yeah. If you just play well, you're, you're good. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. Like, 
And in theory, like they, those guys aren't going to be playing in as many of the smaller events, so it should be even easier for you to win and then get into those events. Right. So like, I just liked how it just was like the perfect, you know, after all those comments at the players, somebody like a relatively speaking no name guy just comes out and wins, which it included beating a Jordan Spieth, the Justin Thomas, a Tommy Fleetwood, you know, some notable names that you know we would expect to see in those yeah. elevated events. And I feel like even to, like all the way up until the end, he kind of came out of nowhere, like. Uh, the coverage yeah. i don't know if that was intentional but they were showing like his really good shots it would like cut to him like here's taylor moore again and he sticks it to like three feet and then before you know it he's at 10 under and everyone else is like battling to get to that number with two holes left it's, he kind of just blew up the leaderboard and then that was it yeah it was a pretty fun like two hour stretch there I, I i feel like i don't know if you guys feel this way i feel like a lot of guys were getting in trouble and like punching it out through the trees like like in pretty incredible some pretty incredible shots that were hit like a couple like i was like i would literally hit every single one of these trees and just perfect low ball stinger like 200 yards like that was probably my favorite part of watching on sunday well it's just one of those good old classic pga tour courses yeah. where it's just not going to beat you up a distance because it doesn't need to it's just disgustingly hard you got greens that are rolling quick and are turtle backed and once again right tight fairways and when you miss the fairways not only are you in some gnarly rough you got another 10 yards off the fairway and you're literally in trees where you're punching out sideways yeah i saw i saw a stat it was basically Basically, like um, on the par fives, you have the fairways. It's basically playing like four and a half, and it's like a thirty-five percent chance at a birdie. And if you just barely, if you just barely get on the rough, it's like a you're, it's playing over par basically. Yeah. So it's like huge. They they were saying that all day on Sunday. Just get in the fairway, and you're perfect from there. Good thing we're rolling the golf ball back because they're just hitting it too far, right? It's not about hitting the fairways; <laughs> yeah. it's about hitting it too far. You mentioned Webb Simpson earlier. I think this is so funny. He gets his first top ten of the season. I saw him right. I had like five bucks on him. I bet on him Saturday morning. So I was watching him a lot, and he just seemed kind of like jolly, like he's having a great event, going to get a good paycheck. Finishes the tournament, first top 10, and his caddy cans him to go play for Cam Young, which is, albeit a, an call. upgrade, it's a, it's a big upgrade. MLB. But, but I do feel like Webb's like, man, I'm going out on top here. I played my best round, and my caddy cans me. I, I think the more I read about that, the more I thought this was like a mutual thing or Webb kind of saying, like, you've outgrown me. Like, I'm just not good enough for you to caddy for me anymore. So you should go pick up the bag of, like, a top 10 guy because he is, like, one of the best caddies on tour. This caddy must have an affinity for, like, Wake Forest guys, right? Because yeah. that's, like, that's the progression here. It's like he had, like, the best player to come out of Wake, maybe, like, Bill Haas or something like that. And then now he's moving on to what looks like, even though him or Willie Z, right, these guys that are up and coming. I was thinking about him. I mean, they were saying Webson's was a seven-time winner. And, like, I mean, it's not that many wins, but you think about someone like Fleetwood trying to get his first win out there. Like, I mean, seven wins is, you know, it's a pretty good career, right? He's a U.S. Open champion, too. Yeah, right? I know. I was, I mean, That's I was, when the guy did the bird thing yeah. in the camera, yeah. I yeah. was pulling for Tommy. Like, I, I, I put a little bet in plus 250 when he was in third. I was really pulling for him. He never separated. He couldn't He couldn't get those couple holes in a row. He kept kind of shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, I know we've talked about it before, but it, that is still so surprising to me that Tommy Fleetwood doesn't have a win on the PGA Tour. Like, I know he's, he's done... This was the week to do it. Yeah, I mean, this done, was the week to do it. He's done really well, like, uh, in, Euro, in the European Tour and overseas, all that kind of stuff. But, like, somehow he just has not got it, got it done, despite having a bunch of, you know... Runners up, top fives, top, fives, yeah. top three, all that. He just stuff. doesn't look aggressive to me. Like he's always just out there, like had the same. Is it the hair? Man, is he just he just looks too loosey goosey. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah I agree. Shave it all up, but he just never sees like that. The look in his eye that he's going to go on a run or anything. It's like he's a great golfer, but I don't think he has that winning mentality. He kind of like laughs off like bad shots yeah. sometimes. Like I literally like you see like, him get mad. Yeah, like yeah. get mad. Yeah. But is like there's he's also too the cool. Call, like, he's too cool. Staying calm isn't that also something like theoretically would be good. Like it's not working. Fine, but like theoretically. Isn't that what yeah. you want to like be able to like brush everything off so you can just hit the next shot and not worry about it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, taught, I think right? you could criticize it and find a lot of problems with it, but I feel like it's more like an inevitability. I know it's been a long time, but I think that Tommy's still quite in the prime of his career. Yeah, he's only like 32, 33, yeah. he's pretty yeah. young. He's in his early 30s, but he's been around for so long, it feels like he's getting toward the end of his career. But I think that I don't know, I think that's why it's so amazing when some of these young guys come out on tour and just hit the ground running because that just doesn't happen. But you got like a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, I think he's 32, I think <clears throat> he could finish his career with like six majors, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd be surprised. That's a lot of fucking majors. I don't know, but he has plenty. He definitely has the game, yeah. and he's and been he's in contention plenty of times. Yeah. And I think he has. I think he specifically has the game for Augusta. He hits the mm -hmm. ball really high. He can land it where he wants to on the greens. He hits a draw. I mean, yeah, he seems to have the game to, to match Augusta perfectly. I'm surprised he hasn't been in contention more there. It'll be wildest. Like they, I feel like technically, if you win a major, it's not technically a PGA Tour win in the same sense because like they're not those governed events like. 
be a weird like oh, really? thought it, process. So that the, that Masters doesn't count as PGA Tour wins. I, I think it's just kind of like a little bit of a gray area because it's not a PGA Tour event. Like that's its own thing. The U.S. Open is a USGA event. The R, yeah, the but like, Open, I feel like it counts. It's on the PGA Tour schedule, but it's not a PGA Tour event kind of yeah. thing. So it's a weird. Like that's why you know, all the live guys are able to play in the majors because it's not a PGA Tour event. Right. Well, yeah. If you want to look ahead even further. We've seen the last couple of weeks guys like Fleetwood and Hatton really playing well. Getting that th- Ryder Cup. I think we already kind of handed the Ryder Cup to the Americans, but that, that European team is really starting to shape up. I mean, they have arguably two of the best players in the world. Then you throw in Hatton, Fleetwood, Hovland. I mean, they're going to be pretty formidable. So it's making me more excited for that because, again, I think we talked about that being kind of a runaway yeah, early in the year. It's a real shame that the worst player is going to be Rory on that <laughs> yeah. team. I think some could call the European team a bit top-heavy, if I had to give it, <laughs> give it a word, because you're right. Their top three or four guys contend perfectly nice with the U.S. Though. side. It's just maybe the lower end of, like, the – I don't know. I don't know who's going to slide in there, but there's going to be some names. There's going to be a couple guys in the European tour, uh, or the European side that you're going to be like, wait a second, how did he get in there? One guy we haven't really talked about yet who seemed like he had the tournament in the bag – until about the last three or four holes is Adam Shank. It would have been a really cool story to see him win. I think he was like a former pig farmer or something like yeah. that. I kept hearing Once about a that. Once a pig farmer, Sweet. always a pig farmer. weekend. Um, really tough break for him on the 18th hole. He needed a par. Brutal. He needed a par to make it into the – or wait, he needed a birdie? He needed a par to make par. it into a playoff. He needed a par to make it into a playoff, and <laughs> dare say dare he hit a shank off the, <laughs> off the tee there. Left, pins Tied, up against a pie. tree root, and he has to uh, what, hit, le- hit out left. Yeah, and hits it yeah. too good. Left-handed. Hits it over the yeah. fairway into a deep lie in the rough. But not only a terrible break, a kind of a two terrible breaks. For that second shot to go through the fairway was outrageous. He hit like, like 60 yards with like a opened up 60-degree swing and left-handed. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that guy's game looked really consistent this week. It, we've seen his name on later boards before, right? He's been around for a while. But I think he's got a lot of game. He's got a very consistent game, and he putted the lights off the ball. I think I've always thought it was a joke when I saw his name I know. on the leaderboard. It was never a real thing. Uh, that's brilliancy, playing with that kind of name. <laughs> I think we're starting to see a little bit of a broadcast curse. They were really hyping yeah. him up. Yeah. His wife flew in like eight months pregnant. <laughs> Don't I fly your family in. I think she was being interviewed like on the broadcast. I think we saw something similar at Torrey Pines or an earlier tournament where some guy was like, oh, this is going to be his first oh, win. Oh, it was uh, changing. Yeah, I can't remember. And then it was just like they hyped it up too much and then kind of fell apart. So, yeah, I, th- I think something to monitor moving forward. Yeah, it was Sam Ryder when he Ryder. was yeah. <laughs> had like a one-stroke American with Express six maybe. holes to play, and they were interviewing his mom on the fairway about how yeah. big this win would be to him. And then he co- collapses. You know, I see a lot of coverage where the no-laying-up guys just complain about like little idiosyncrasies with the actual coverage on network TV. Now, I'm not quite like that. I'm not that into it, but... I'm really annoyed with the coverage of like we just, we saw like no Taylor Moore like these guys got to know that those last three holes are some of the hardest holes in the PGA Tour so anyone within striking distance if they get through the snake pit and they're somewhere around the lead we need to be covering those guys they gave Taylor Moore no coverage other than when he was stuffing it to like one foot well, I, I think we saw after the round why they didn't give him any coverage <laughs> I mean the guys if if Scotty Scheffler's boring he's pretty, I mean he's like he's a like racing tear down. Yep. So happy to get my first victory. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to come back one Well, day. speaking of the tournament, did you guys feel like the tournament wasn't that well attended? I feel like everyone was following the Spieth so. group. And other than that, I was watching like uh, Fleetwood because I was paying close attention to him. It was like eight people like on the green when he was putting. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Not- I feel like that's kind of the reputation like some of these tournaments get. Yeah, I mean, like the w- the Wells Fargo was kind of like that. They're all, any of these non-elevated in-between events are like that. It's not going to be ever full attendance, but you'll get yeah. your fans. I think, I think all Spieth the fl- had like 80% of the, like, the group was Absolutely. just following Spieth's group, yeah. All the Florida population that wanted to go to the golf event went to the players the week before kind of thing. Yeah. And they're like, not going I was I was reading something that Joel Damon has seen a significant spike yeah. in the crowds following him and since Gino. the full swing came out. Oh, interesting. Because he was way out of the tournament. He said, I had a lot of people following me like Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Yeah. They were like one of the first tee times on Sunday, yeah. and they had a group following mm-hmm. them. That'd be interesting if that affects the um, – with the what's the top ten like earnings? What's oh, the, the pip, pip, the pip yeah. thing. Like did Joel Damon yeah. just in the pip? Like <laughs> probably. I totally see it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. so likable. And Gino, his caddy is just top notch as well. All right, Tully, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, see, you got some notes about Jordan too. It's not just me, but yeah, Jordan collapsed. Unfortunately, I mean, he was playing you know real solid golf. I made a great prediction that this would be an event that he he could win. You know, Ken already acknowledged it. I gave him shit. We all heard it. But you know, it was oh earlier, yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was tough to, to watch. He'd been bouncing back all day is what you know, 
again, just kind of following the leader where you see it. Like, you would get a bogey, you'd immediately get a birdie, and you know, wouldn't lose any ground or anything. And then when it, when it push came to shove, the, the snake bit, bit it got him. It, it bit real hard. Like, what happened to him? I'm not familiar with what his collapse actually was. I it wasn't really, it. like, a horrible, horrible collapse. He, he, I was getting defensive now. He put it in the it water. That wasn't that bad. It's like, not like he drove it into yeah, the, like, like, very middle of a large lake. He didn't hit it, like, 60 <laughs> yards right of a fairway in the middle of the He didn't hit it and then immediately throw his head down. I do that all the time. My point is that he... It ended up just being a bogey. It wasn't like a epic collapse. It wasn't hitting the water and then ends up having a triple and he's that, done. That hole was like Jordan Spieth to a T. Like you could sum up his entire yeah, playing yeah. style and career because he puts it in the water. So it's, you know, his kind of meltdown a little bit. He has a huge back and forth with his caddy about what he should do on his drop and what he should play. Yeah. Plays a safe shot, middle of the fairway, hits it on the green, makes a 40 footer yeah, to save bogey. And it's just like. Yeah. What just happened? Watching Jordan just make that drop and play the rest of that hole was like watching like a 90-minute movie. Like, <laughs> there was just so many peaks and, and valleys. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, and it was a real shame because, like, he came back on the the next hole, the par three. It was like a 220-yard par three that, like, nobody had, like, played well all week. And he st- puts it to, like, inside seven feet and, you know, just doesn't make the putt. You know, for the first time all round, doesn't bounce back there. And... On the flip side, you saw Taylor Moore, who didn't miss a putt inside of seven feet all week. 65 for 65. Yeah, so just like a ridiculous, and he's just nuts. Unfortunately, and then, so he was in a position where I think he had to get, he had to birdie 18, comes up maybe a yard short, and like then just trickles back down the hill onto the fringe, has like a, you know, 40 foot putt to try to, you know, get to that 10 under number, and doesn't do it, and then he just doesn't care coming back and bogeys that. I, I think nice guy Jordan there missed that putt intentionally. You know, he felt yeah, bad so, for his yeah. playing partner. He's Shank like, if gets, I just miss this, solo second. doesn't impact me at all, but it gives him 400000 It's a good deed. It's getting in yeah. good graces. Build good karma. It, it fits yeah. right Needs into a, a point Ben sent over to. He saw a tweet, you know, Jordan on Easter Sunday, elite golfer. Yeah. Just Last wins. three years has win. Yeah, so he won the, won the Valero, won the Heritage, and then conveniently... Master Sunday, Easter Sunday, it Speed lines probably up. Probably is a big peeps guy. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. 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 So peeps. much. So he's doing good deeds. He's supporting small business and peeps because, cool. like, they're around what once a year. Basically, anyone cares about that. So poor guys, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah, but you know, all in all, I think it was good to see him. Like, he played generally well in you know very competitive golf. Didn't have anything egregiously bad. Things kind of rounding into shape going into major season. It's a tough golf course. Like, it really is. We've seen, we saw how the guys played those last three holes specifically, but it's a course where, like, just if everything in your game's not clicking, it's going to, like, the part that's not working very well is going to be just, it's going to make you, like, shoot probably five or six more than you would have, right? So, and so Jordan's game, all of it looks put together, and he actually putted well this week. So, that's, like, the one thing you've been waiting on. Jordan's, like, top 15 in strokes gained pretty much every category, and his putting has been, like, strokes gained 100 plus. So, yeah, Jordan's trending in the right direction for sure. Kind of take for granted that, like, I was thinking about this when I was watching on Sunday that Spieth had, like, a couple down years. Like, he's, like, talked about now as just, like, an elite, elite guy, which he is, obviously. He's been over this. Get married, had, had a baby, baby had have a, a couple down years. But you forget he was, like, not really relevant for, like, three years. I mean, he, he was he, relevant, of course. There was a potential like, that he wasn't going to bounce back, right? Yeah, but, like, he's... Kind of like Ricky. I mean, I think like we're starting down. to see Ricky's kind of getting yeah. the precipice of that upward run again. But, yeah, Jordan... That was weird. Jordan came out incredibly hot. One of the one of the best golfers ever in his first five years on the PGA Tour. And then, wow, he certainly hit rock bottom. I mean, he's back. Rock bottom seems a little aggressive. Oh, he was pretty bad. I mean, not like not quite he as got bad to as like Ricky. 50th in the world. It wasn't that bad. He went, yeah. I mean, I think for Jordan's standards, it felt bad for how yeah. hot he was. All right. How about live this week? I will say that I did tune in for like you two holes. Text. You sent yeah. one text. Like, I tuned in for good. like two holes when there was a commercial break with the Valspar and basketball. I don't know. <laughs> tuned in once again, just feels kind of discombobulated. You're watching the teams, but you're watching the individuals. But then you remember it's a shotgun. So you kind of don't really know what hole everyone's on, but it says what hole they're through. And long story short, a really good finish, right? Danny Lee. Like Louis Oosthuizen and someone else, maybe Abe Anser or Carlos Ortiz or something like that, and get into a three-man playoff. Danny Lee makes like a forty-footer off the fringe, banks at home, looks like it's going to go ten feet by. Right, good for Danny Lee, four and a half million dollars in the bank. But what do you know? We got another week of Bryson and Cam and DJ and Brooks all playing like crap, and I think that's a big problem that's surfacing with these live guys. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the story here. Like with all due respect, like Danny Lee, I, I, nothing against him, but like I don't care. Like, I, I don't care what he's doing over there on Live, but all those other guys, like, 
I would like to see them at least dominating if they're going to be over there playing against, you know, we talk about the, you know, PJ tournament, you know, maybe it's a lesser field in these, like every week for them is a lesser field. And Bryson, I don't think has finished higher than like tied for 17th while he's been on live or something like that. I haven't thought about once about Bryson this he whole was year. Fourth from last. This Dub's last favorite week. golfer. Almost as bad as, you know, Phil all every yeah. fucking tournament. And like, moment. so I think you're, you could be a great golfer, but every week's not going to be your week. Right. I get that. But, Danny Lee hasn't contended in a PJ Tour event in like a decade, and he is able to win the Live event, dude. Like, just try to explain to me how that how that's possible. Zero wins in three hundred forty three starts, something like that. It's outrageous. I know he's a good golfer, Danny he's a good Lee, young same golfer. Of PGA but... Tour wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when was the last time Charles Howe the third won anything too? <laughs> yeah, and he went he back to back, right? Like his first event. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like worst case scenario for that product is for have to have all their big names like just not even close to the top of the leaderboard. Because that's the only reason people like us would probably tune in. And I was just going to say, and that's why they paid them millions and millions and millions of dollars. So, like, there's literally no return on their investment. And that's why they now have to pay for their own travel. And I'm just trying to figure out here if we're just maybe in, like, you know, we're in the first chapter of a 10-chapter book, right? Is it just maybe we're having a bad six months, 12 months with the performance of these top athletes? Or are we genuinely like unveiling a problem where these guys don't give a shit anymore because they've been paid. They already got their money. So like, I think there could be a problem with them really not caring anymore. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go out there. I might win a couple here and there. But if I shoot, you know, grinding out for those extra two shots on a Sunday to make your finish different. Like, I feel like they don't care about that anymore. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see, like, cause obviously we now are all very aware that these, those guys are going to be in the majors. They're all, they're and that's all, where we're going to care. We're going to care. Yeah. That. We're going to care, but it'll yeah. be very interesting to see like what their mindset is going. Yeah. Can they there. just like, flip a switch yeah, and, and get back in and on? Yeah. Just, like and top five all live. Yeah. I bet, I bet they, a lot of those guys can. Like I, the one I'd look out for the most would be like Brooks, who was kind of always that way where it was like majors, where it was where he would theoretically turn a switch on. He was kind of was like meh in all the other PGA tour events, but like, been a long time really i feel like since we see brooks do anything he's very much so in his head as we saw on like the full swing dock it's just going to be a that is arguably the most compelling line going into the masters right, and like like oh, yeah. cam smith is, awesome. is regularly brought up as one of the favorites for the masters and it's Mates like it's looked horrible he can't even beat half a field or a third of the field at some of these live events i do think these guys turn it on i think it's a very plausible outcome of the masters but then it's like we still have a problem with Liv, right? Liv is like, okay, well, your players are going to play good in the majors. I guess that maybe gets some more eyeballs for your Mayakoba event. But then you still got Cam Smith, DJ Brooks, and Bryson not giving a shit at Mayakoba. So it's like even though they're tuning in, they know they're going to get a shit product. Yeah, I think they're kind of more going all in with this team format. Yeah. And it's kind of been interesting to hear a little bit about how that's going to be structured. But, yeah, definitely taking some money away from the individual prizes and more towards – the teams you got like potential IPO stuff kind of coming up, yeah. right? And sponsorships for these teams. It's definitely going to be like, it seems like that's going to be their money route from here. And I'm really for that though. Cause that makes it more of like a different yeah. event. Like you're watching, like it really yeah, kind of focuses on the differences. Rather I was than like checking the leaderboard to see how my torque guys were doing out there on, on Sunday. I'm just trying to think about like this time of the year. Like I only have so much bandwidth for, to watch certain things, and I could not care less about it. Like, I literally, like, do not care. You didn't look up what channel the CW was? <laughs> like, I sent my parents, and I had to find it on DirecTV, because in here, yeah. I think it's, like, two or three on Xfinity, but my parents, I mean, like, me and Larry trying to figure out what channel CW is on literally took us, like, eight minutes. But what I'm, when I when I say that, I'd like, we watch March Madness, World Baseball Classic. I wonder if Liv thinks about an entire schedule shift to a different time of the year than, the PG, like, than competing directly with the PGA and a lot of things. Like, they just go completely flip, flip the schedule to, to find a market that's not as kind of like um dense like sports wise as this right now you gotta do like midsummer like the dog days of baseball yeah, right yeah maybe football, yeah. So like after march like madness i guess you got like pretty much till the nfl until there's really do like an eight-week run of just like you know sporting event. Yeah, i was thinking yeah. about that too like it was like i i applaud them like in relative to the pga tour schedule like they have lined it up with the events you know right. not a lot of people got it was, i mean the first one was like the honda this was the valspar which we already kind of said un- underwhelming attendance but, like, to even remotely think, yeah, let's go against March Madness, the first weekend of March Madness. No way. If I'm looking up one absurd TV channel, it's going to be True TV, and that's it. I'm not <laughs> looking up the CW. It's just, like, the right idea, wrong timing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree. Kind of some, some, definitely some problems there, Liv. We'll see how they deal with them. 
Let's jump into this week's event, the Dell Match Play, right? Not a sanctioned or, I guess, not an official PGA Tour event, these WGCs or whatever. So I had a tough time, like, finding all the PGA Tour app. But, right, so we got, a, we got what, like, 16 groups of so four golfers, and then the top golfer from each group then advances to bracket-style play, like March Madness. So we got lots of fun groupings out there, right? Each group, like, 1 through 16 has golfers 1 through 16, then it kind of snakes back through with some drafts. So let me know who you guys really like this weekend, what you're looking forward to with the match play format. I think less about the match play format, but more about the storylines leading up to the Masters. I'm looking for those guys that are like fringe top 50 players, like a Ricky Fowler, I think sitting at like 59 or something like that right now. And like, as if you are top 50 after next week's event, I think you get it. You get into the Masters, right? Because what how it works. So it's, I want to see like, are there any guys going to make a move from the outside, make a little bit of a run to, you know, get themselves into those big tournaments that you know the ones everybody really cares about. That's what I'm really looking for this week. I, th- I think I saw Ricky's got to make a quarterfinal or yeah, semifinal, like and of course he draws John Rahm's bracket. Yes. So yeah, real, real tough. There. He might have the shits again. You know, Texas barbecue. <laughs> yeah. it, it may not affect. You know, it may not fit sit well. Someone must have been interviewing John Rahm and asked him how you feel, and he goes, "Good." They're like. You not know like remnants of what happened last week? He goes no. And then, like they asked him like three more follow-on questions about his illness, and he just kept going like one-word answers. It's pretty funny. It's haunting him. Yeah. The demons he saw in that bathroom. So we got Scotty right as the defending champion. Again. He, uh, did he take down? Was it Kevin Kisner in the in the championship match? Yeah, I think he. It was Horschel in like the semifinals, and then Kisner in the finals. Last two winners of the tournament, I think. A pretty fun course. You have the one par four, right, Dub? I remember, and you had some notes about this. The one you drive over the water, right? The green kind of sits out on a peninsula. It's like a dog leg left, but kind of straight to the green. Talk about a little bit what you thought about that whole last year. Yeah, and and before I get into that a little bit, it is a fun final stretch. I mean, yeah. you have that par five, like straight downhill. You have the bridge in the background, all that water. And then you have this drivable par four brings in that risk reward. Do I go after it? The problem I saw last year was instead of bailing out left and going in the water, you can just bang it into the grandstands. You get to drop the ball, like perfect chipping onto the green. It's like, okay, easy birdie. Just hit in the grandstands and you're good instead of having to play around the water hazards. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, I think there's, like I said, a lot of good good holes down the stretch and really really test some strategy coming down, coming down to the end. And I assume they are probably doing the same – they did. I know they did it last year where they kind of rerouted the course a little bit to make sure those holes got in play. Because yeah. I think they're usually 16, 17, 18 kind of thing, but then they made yeah. them like thir- 12, 13, 14. Or yeah, something. I think so. There's that one like shorter part three that hits over a ravine that's just extraordinary. Yeah, it's like very pretty. Yeah, and it plays a little challenging, even though it's like a park. <laughs> it's like the green. You can't even really see the green because it's kind of behind the ravine, especially from the camera angle. But right, a cool, a cool hole. And I love that part five with the bridge in the background. I think it's one of the more iconic second shots where – just dead left, all water, right? But then you got a green that's really reachable. These guys are hitting iron into it a second shot. What, what are you thinking about Rory this week? I know, I know he's changing out the putter. Yeah, he, so he got three new clubs, actually. He got a new putter. He switched out. I think he had a Vokey 54-degree. Now he's got a TaylorMade, TaylorMade 54-degree because I think he probably has some contract language about how many non-TaylorMade clubs <laughs> he can play. So he switched out, and then he's got – I think he must have taken out either a three iron or taken out his three wood. Now he's got a, a five wood tuned down a little something. So oh. a bit of a change up in Rory's back. Like these guys at this level, that generally doesn't mean too much. I mean, if anything, it would probably mean better performance, but I'm a little worried about the putter. I don't know. I think whenever we see guys switch putters in my mind, it thinks when things get tight and you're down the stretch, you just have like a bit of a foreign thing in your hand, and it's not as comfortable as you think it should be. So, I don't know. Down the stretch, <laughs> down the stretch, Rory's putter, I think, might not be able to hold up. Is he historically a good match play? He won, yeah, he won this in 19. Oh, okay. Or 19 or 15. I mean, I think so. It, there's interesting aspects to match play, and I think Rory is like Rory and Rom, and I don't know, Scotty, I think it's grouped in with these long hitters, but Scotty can hit the ball far, but he chooses kind of not to. He plays like the high fade to kind of get a little bit more control. But you have to ask Same. yourself, like, would you rather hit at 350 and be intimidating as a match play player or be a guy like Kevin Kisner that hits a little bit more, plots it down the fairway, puts it on the green, a lot, lot of two-putt par is kind of annoying. I think that that's why I like watching this event because you're going to have a guy like Rory go up against a guy like Kisner, and you really don't know which which style is better. Yeah, I do I do like that part of this event, and I am sacked. This is, I believe, the last time they're doing this with all the changes to the schedule right. and the elevated events. Like, it, it does feel like... Kevin Kisner, you know, example, he doesn't win the big, big events, it feels like. You know, he'll get in contention occasionally, but he doesn't really have any, like, huge wins that I can think of off the top of my head. 
And it feels like this is the one that he's always in that top, you know, echelon there. He's always a great match play player. And you can see some of those bottom tier of the top, what, I guess 64 golfers on the PGA Tour, you know, make a big run and knock down these Goliaths that, you know, we see a John Rahm, a Scotty Scheffler that are just hot as all hell. Well, Kisner's in the group with uh, Decky and Homa, and I feel like Decky came on, like, last week a little bit and, like, prepping for the Masters, obviously a previous winner there. So I'm looking for him to kind of make a stride towards the Masters, but that would be a fun group for sure. Yeah, this is probably the last time we'll see most of the, the big names. Occasionally you'll see a few of them play the Valero the following week. Like, I know Jordan has played it. Rory surprisingly played it last year. But probably won't see many of these guys next week. I feel like Homa's the guy I wouldn't want to run into in this current one. It's like he's another guy that's so even keeled and he's just always seems to be hitting that shot and doesn't seem to get phased. Is he like the upgraded version of Kissner now? <laughs> yeah. oh, I thought you were going to say the upgraded Kis- version of Tommy Kisner Fleetwood because he doesn't <laughs> care. That's actually no, a good he can take. win. He can actually win. Kissner for that, the 2020. So I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I was probably going to take Homa as my pick because, you know, he's he's been playing really well. And you combine the fact with he's worked really hard on his short game over the last year or two. And so, you know, that's one of those things critical in this match play format that you get a bad shot, you're never really out of the hole if you've got that solid short game to rely on. That's not a, I don't know, it's not a super hard group for Max to get out of, right? With Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, and then Collins Boy, Justin Suh. I don't know, I could see him getting out of there. There's definitely, I think, some more challenging challenging groupings on the one that Max is in. And I think, Tyler, you are you hit the nail on the head about Max having just such a consistent game. There's no real glaring hole in his game. And he's a guy that's like, you can just tell he was kind of born in the dirt. And he like, he's really gritty, and he likes to grind born things out. L.A. boy. <laughs> Raised yeah. by wolves. So what, do you, what are your guys' favorite groups? You merely groups? adapted the death. <laughs> born. Was born in it. Are you guys looking at favorite groups? I think the group of death seems to be. My boy, my boy Double L got a little shafted here. Going up against Jason Day, Adam Svensson, who's like always, who's super talented. He played well at the players. I think that guy's going to be a tough out. And then Victor Perez, who I brought up last week, has been playing really well in the DP World Tour. Mm. That's going to be tough for Morikawa to get out of that group. Yes and no. Right? I think those three guys, like they've been playing well. But I think that Colin, like, I think he's turning the page. I think you're starting to see the old Colin Morikawa come back. I could see him shredding that group. But I agree, it's a tough draw. I mean, we've seen flashes of that, but he just hasn't put it all together for four rounds of golf yet. I mean, we saw him at the players, came out on fire the first day, claims that he has he found something in his interview and then just disappeared the rest of the weekend. Yeah. It was so well, He found something for the first round. It was... Yeah. I think that's another, right, we talk about Rory hitting the long ball and Kisner being super straight and kind of, like, never making big mistakes. A guy, like, running into a guy like Colin Morikawa would be so heartbreaking because you'd be like, I don't know, you're both in the fairway, and he's such a sniper. Like, even if he doesn't convert the putt, you got to really tell yourself, like, okay, he could miss that, right? I just got to play my game. But Colin Morikawa, you play him for 15, 16 holes, he's going to hit half a dozen shots inside five feet, and you're just going to feel like you got no chance. I feel like, <clears throat> like Willie Z got a pretty easy draw on the other side of it. You got Ryan Fox, Harris English. I know he played Harris English played pretty well recently and uh, Andrew Putnam. I feel like that's a pretty pretty good yeah. you know draw for Willie Z to make a run here. For a guy that's not exactly that high in the world rankings for maybe as talented as he is because he yeah. was kind of out with his back issue, I think it's a really good draw for him. Yeah, and, and we haven't really seen Willie Z in a match play setting before yet because he was hurt for the President's yeah. Cup last year, right? So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does this week going head-to-head against some of these guys, especially with like that putting stroke that we all are a little concerned about. Yeah, for sure. You're going to see a lot of his partners make him putt out those three- and four-footers that maybe they'd give a little early in the round, right? And coming up on a Ryder Cup, it's really important we see Willie Z take that next step and yeah. and cement himself as a good we match play player. We want right? him to be an elite guy. We want him to be good. He's going to be he, – he's part of that – that group of players from five to ten that really need to be dominant for us to take the, the Ryder Cup. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see groups two and three, which is the the John Rahm and the Rory group, stri- strictly because I want to see the a, a little bit of the bounce back, you know, from Rory, but also like I these guys are 100 percent already thinking about the Masters, and mm-hmm. then you also have those lower those guys that are those like I said those fringe guys that they're trying to get into the Masters, get into those those majors here. I mean, John Rahm's got Billy Horschel, who's won here. Ricky, who's been playing really solid golf in the last you know few tournaments he's been in. You know, I think that's going to be potentially. And oh, Mitchell. and uh, Keith Mitchell, yeah. yeah, who's been in contention 
a lot. Several yeah. So like, every week. I think it's kind of a like a sneaky tough group there. Obviously, Rom has to be the you know heavy favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe you know, one of those guys kind of sneak out a little bit of an upset coming out of that group. I think that's a shit draw for Rom. Like when you think about Rom being number two in the world and <laughs> no, Willie Z no being number <laughs> and Willie Z <laughs> being number seven in the world, right? And they think about like the I don't know just the talent overall in these guys' groups. I think Rom got. Easily the hardest group of all 16. So do you think you can get in touch with Denny to get in touch with Rory? To for get in you? touch with, it's like, you know, a guy that know a guy. <laughs> yeah. After this round, I'm sure they'll be great friends. <laughs> Although I think Rory got a pretty good draw. Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, and Scott Stallings is not anything to call home about. All those guys are great, right? They, any, any given day, those guys could win. But I think he got a pretty good draw there compared to what Rom's got. Yeah. I think Scotty got a decently tough draw with Tom Kim in his group. I think Tom Kim is gonna is a real dark horse for this. If he can play well and, and somehow overtake Scotty in that group. Yeah, we, we saw, him saw him do good on yeah. Yeah, he was really, really strong match player in the President's Cup so last year we saw it in person. Imagine yeah. he starts showing that energy again and got even killed Scotty and then just Tom's kind of getting in his yeah. head a little bit and then maybe light that fire under Scotty to get out. That, that'd be sweet. He was the best player at the Presidents. Well, and his playing partner there, Siwoo Kim's in a draw with Hovland, Chris Kirk, and Kucher. I mean, that's that's very manageable for Siwoo to get out of that group. Oh, yeah. The Asian contingency, right, Ken? <laughs> I mean... Hey, they they carried the President's Cup, man. What are you talking about? YTK for life, baby. Well, and Tom Kim has that Colin Morikawa style to him where he's just a sniper with his irons, right? So it's just like, I don't know, Scotty's going to outdrive Tom Kim by 40 yards, and all of a sudden Tom Kim hits a five iron to three feet, and Scotty's like, oh, wow, I only had nine iron in here to this long bar four, but now i got to really stuff it. i got to confess something. I do not know much about Adrian Moronk. <laughs> yeah, it's up-and-coming kid on the European Tour. He's 45th got a, yeah, player. He's got 45th a lot of, ranked player. He's got a lot of game. That was the one name on here. I was like, oh, I hadn't really – I had heard of him a couple times, but I – Really not very familiar with him. He's a he win, he's won a lot on the DP World Tour the past couple of years. I wouldn't say he's the most consistent player, but yeah. when he gets hot, he's he's unstoppable. It's funny you say that. I was just looking at that group. Like yeah. I don't even know who I picked coming out of there. I yeah. mean, obviously Finau would be the favorite, but Kitayama's played hot. well. Yeah. Uh, Zayden Hoot. I mean, he's one of the best putters on tour. Yeah. That always is a strength in match play. So this is so fun, though. Just looking at the groups is just so fun. It's a whole other element to it that I just, it's its great. It's way different than looking at, like, oh, who's playing with who? Like, you get excited to see, you know, at the players, we like, not to bring them up, you know, Scotty, Rom, and Rory playing at the players. We were all excited about that. But, like, it didn't really mean that much versus, like, if you want to advance out of just, the, you know, that, you know, first day or whatever, or first two days of golf, like, it really matters who you're playing with. Right, so you play three matches, but it's very likely that someone, that two of these people in this group are going to go two and one. So then those guys go to immediate sudden death playoff. That is super intense, right? You finish your round on, what is it, Wednesday, Thursday, and if you're tied with someone in your group, you immediately go to to a sudden death playoff. I think that's really cool. So this is a a 64-person field, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is is kind of what an elevated event is would look like in the proposed yes in terms of like now me yeah yeah absolutely from a talent which is like i feel like looking at these names i really it it seems i don't mind it i don't know it it seems like it's a good group like i it's amazing how they even fill out the whole hundred and (laughs) the full field right well there's a reason you didn't know who adrian whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's not maronk i didn't know what it was well and and another thing with this one too is i think live guys technically could yeah play yeah, right. Because it's, I think, WGC. based on because OWGR, DP World Tour, and it's guys. not sanctioned by or not governed by the PGA Tour. But I think they all applied to play the guys who were top fifty and just obviously got declined. So because but, we're missing like twelve of the of the top hundred players in the world because of live, there's guys that can kind of sneak in like the Adrian really Laurent, I think there was about world. seven guys yeah, that think, are still yeah. within the top fifty or seventy in the Patrick the Reed was one guy, so he'll obviously Bryson was out. DJ was still Taylor in. Gooch is currently <laughs> at fifty, so he's right on that. Yeah. Like, Edge for the Masters. That would have been huge if they let any of those guys in. This is this is way too much golf for those guys. I mean, they're just playing three rounds and done. This could be <laughs> potentially like what seven rounds or something like yeah. that. It's true. I saw, saw Shane Bacon did a thing where it's like make your most bold Masters prediction, <laughs> and some guy commented. He goes. There's a live guy that misses the cut but still shows up on Saturday because he has no idea how cut works. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, gotta he get my three, gotta get my three rounds. Full in. swing to see exactly how they explain. Live guy cut. walks out to the fifteenth tee thinking it's a shotgun, shotgun start. start. <laughs> Where's my two million dollar check? All right, before we leave the Valspar, I wanted to make my pick. I am going to take a guy who. Called oh, we already left the Valspar. Yeah, we left the Valspar no, he, a he, while uh, back. Oh yeah, sorry, the Dell <laughs> match play. You're right. Uh, he caught a little shade earlier when we were talking about Devalspar, and that's why I wanted to bring him up. And I think he's got a great chance this week, and that's Tommy Fleetwood, plus thirty seven hundred on Fanduel and like plus forty five hundred on DraftKings. Uh, I, when I think about a guy that I want 
to bet on for match play. I generally want him to have a good short game because I don't know. We're in Texas, so we got some potential wins, right? Which another thing for Tommy, right, is three quarter shot knockdowns are really good for the win. But you know, coming down the stretch, you're going to miss a lot of greens, right? A good tour pro still only hits like 12, 13 greens around. So you got a lot of up and downs that you need to get up and down to have holes or even win holes. Tommy was fifth last year in strokes gain around the green. He's third this year. So his stroke game is like extremely good. I like that this week. Uh, and then, like I said, his three-quarter swing in the wind. I, I like think Tommy can really pull it through here. And then one fun note about Scotty or um, Tommy last year is that he's the only one who beat Scotty all all week. Hmm. Scotty went two and one in group play, and he lost to Tommy Fleetwood. But didn't he lose Tommy? Like Tommy Fleetwood made like an ace. That's like into win one of the matches last year, didn't he? Mm, on no, the, on two, that part, two years ago. two years ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then other one other fun note. Oh, <laughs> Matt Wolf, Bryson, and Paul Casey all winless last year and went to live. So watch out for anyone that doesn't win a match this week. <laughs> yeah. They could be going to live. I'll see you, Rory. <laughs> so so who's not who's not playing this week? No JT. Like, That's JT the only one I realized. The one that came well, JT got in trouble for signing some uh Breasticles. Breasticles. Uh, <laughs> uh, got in trouble from last tournament. I, I assume he got in trouble from his new wife. <laughs> Who's making chest? the rules? That was high up. It was barely on the boob. <laughs> I saw that. I, it was pretty. It was definitely. It was clavicle. Yeah. yeah like, it was pretty clavicle. Note that Evelyn <laughs> Ken is okay with signing high boob. Clavicle. Yeah. <laughs> on all his fair. High boob. Practically collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was touching the collarbone, I think. All right, so we got some other golf storylines that happened this week. Let's talk first about uh, Scotty's Masters menu. That was released, right? So every time a player wins at the Masters, uh, when they host the Champions Dinner for the upcoming year, they make their own menu. So, Telly, let's get a breakdown of what uh, Scotty had on the menu. And they have to cook it. They do. (laughs) Yeah. Scotty is manning the grill. It's not Chick-fil-A. It's not, yeah. Uh, So I I personally, I'm going to say right now, I'm a fan of the menu. It feels very fitting for... uh, Scotty Scheffler, as we know him, he's going to start start the boys around the table off with uh, some cheeseburger sliders served Scotty style. Not sure what exactly that means. Very intrigued by Got that. A lot of Scotty on it. Uh, probably um, probably uh, ketchup and mustard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No plain. Just a burger. No condiments. No condiments. With a plastic fork. That's how it's just Chipotle. It's yeah. Real dry. Uh, as well as though some firecracker shrimp. That sounds which, which delicious. Sounds a, little, a little spice for the oh, boys, you know. Anyone, you know, look. It's like if you like sushi, extra. but you really don't like sushi, firecracker shrimp. That's what you. Yeah, get. it sounds delightful. That's for decades. Uh, a, a little nice tortilla soup. You know, it, it's a very Texas menu. It's, it's like that Joey Cold guy. Cuts. Yeah, I'm not a big soup guy, but like when you throw cold, in all the other stuff. Remember that Cold Cuts video where it's like 95 <laughs> degrees out and he had like a tortilla <laughs> soup, and Bob's like, "What the hell are you eating, Cold Cuts?" <laughs> Um, the, the main course is going to feature uh, an option here. We got some options. We got either the right choice, which is a Texas ribeye steak, or if you're stupid, you're going to go ahead with the blackened redfish uh, with some a side of mac and cheese, some jalapeno creamed corn on the side, and mm. Brussels sprouts and seasoned fries. So it's a very delightful, and you get to finish all that off served with a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie with some milk and cookies Ice cream You're saying top. this so seductively. I, I'm going to stop. Say one, no, say it one more time, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> I, I think he's mixing too many types of food here. What the fuck I are you agree. talking about? I mean, they're all good things, but like, you can't have like Hispanic. Food, you must not Asian be from food. the south. He's from you Texas. Cheeseburgers and steaks. Got, like, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's meat and Tex Mex. What the heck the, do you expect? Who the hell is eating red snapper with mac and cheese? It's not red snapper. It's redfish. <laughs> I'm gonna have a cheeseburger oh, and then shrimp and then tortilla soup. It's good. It's all good, but together. My, uh, right? my favorite criticism was like he just was at Applebee's <laughs> one night. Give me one of them. Just was like, yeah. yeah, that looks pretty good for my uh, champions dinner. I think but, I could agree that it maybe lacks some coordination, but God, it sounds good. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Every single one of those items sounds very good. It sounds delicious, and it feels very Texas. Honestly, yeah. to me, it feels like he threw in your firecracker shrimp and the black and redfish because he was like, That's oh fair. wait. Some other people maybe probably don't I can eat see the tortilla <laughs> soup with the steak as a te- yeah the kind of Hispanic. What do we got that's vegan? Yeah, Tex-Mex. That's kind of what yeah. I think. What yeah. happened here? And it was like somebody when he he submitted the menu and it was just like I want beef, and then yeah. they were like, well, we need something else, bud. And like yeah. that's okay. kind of what they are these are these typically dry events? <laughs> no. Like, what is his alcohol, heavy like, drinking event? What does Scotty drink? What night is it again? I I imagine he's drinking like high C or something like that. It's got to be their Monday or Tuesday night, right? It's it I, is early in the week. It's not. It's not the yeah. It's not Wednesday it's before. Night, I don't think. Tuesday, Tuesday yeah. sounds Tuesday about right. Night. So the the Wednesday practice rounds a little rough for some of these guys. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> don't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, Rom's be shitting his brains out on Wednesday. <laughs> Rom's never won yeah, a match. That's true. Rom's won't, so Rom won't, won't be, be invited. That would probably be the coolest like um, 
man, I was, this is gonna fly on the wall, not rum, but like in in the in the room, fly on the wall experience, like actually hanging out and seeing easily, that. easily like, the most like sought after. Like, please that? just tell me what Me. the hell they were talking about. Yeah. Like every yeah. golf fan, yeah. Yeah. especially this year with because now the live guys will actually be there versus last year. Yeah. Like Phil, don't show up. He wasn't allowed. Right? Well, they they're gonna have a separate menu, right? The the like the guys, is it gonna be like, like the kids table? pimento cheese yeah. sandwiches and <laughs> don't spoil them. What are you like, talking about? Dinosaur chicken nuggets. <laughs> Again, don't spoil them. That sounds <laughs> delightful. <laughs> It does feel like a golden corral buffet, <laughs> I have to say, but in a good, in the best way possible. I think it's fitting. I think Colin, Colin brought up what his menu would be, and it felt very fitting to him. But it doesn't necessarily make sense to people outside of the state of Maryland. Yeah, yeah, well, just a bushel of blue crabs. Yeah, got to pick them you yourself. Do. You don't know how. Then it's you're going an hungry. eight course menu. You're gonna be like crabs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do you know how, crabs and Miller Lite, man? Crabs and Natty Bows. Just sit around for like 10 hours picking crabs. Hush puppies and corn on the cob. <laughs> Potatoes. Yeah. So I imagine there'd be a lot of people that would be real pissed about Collins' menu, but we'd love it. Yeah. But I, I give it an A-plus in my mind. I feel like he st- stuck true to himself and just let them throw in some extra little things on the side. Yeah, I think A-minus, right? Just maybe knock him a little bit for the too, a little too much variety. He's like Golden Corral almost. But, God, it does sound – it sounds great. I don't know. Did Tully tell you about the cake? <laughs> <laughs> the cookie. It's, it's a skillet cookie. <laughs> it's, it's warm. That sizzle. What did, he say, what did he say when he won last week? He was Grandma's cake or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I thought for sure it was going to be like Grandma's skillet cookie or something. Did they have to give a speech at that dinner? They do, yeah, because like Hideki, that was a big thing, too. Like I guess it was oh, last year, and he no, he did it all. He did it all in English himself. Nice. When do you slot the speech in? What's the perfect time for the speech? Is it after appetizer? Is it after entree? It's just where do you slide into live jokes? Oh, well, everyone's eating that fish. <laughs> yeah, post during entree probably. Uh, I don't know. After, but, but few, you got to eat too. Yeah, yeah, you got to make sure you're not too. It's full. not like a wedding. <laughs> do you get a plus one at that? No, <laughs> I'm very so, curious. Bunch of golf bros. All right, I'll stop. All right, let's round things out talking about uh, something we kind of missed last week, but we've got a little bit more, you know, more happening on it this week is the the golf ball rollback, right? So the USGA implemented new rules in which it's trying to roll back the distance and the performance, generally speaking, of the golf ball that's used in the professional game. And so you got all these major entities like the PGA Tour and the R&A and heck, even Live need to decide if they're going to adopt these new golf ball rules. But I think there's been a lot of controversy. Some people agree with it. Some people don't. Give me your guys' thoughts. I think it's dumb, personally. I, I mean, I, like, I, I get the thought, like, strictly from a, a course's perspective of if they hit it really, really far, and they just it keeps increasing in the same way it has, they're going to run out of land, and then people are just driving greens. But I think we have very much so seen is, like, you can, like, say you look at a U.S. Open where the fairways are tight and the rough is high, and you have to be a little bit more strategic on when you're going to pull the driver out, how you're going to hit the shot, all that kind of stuff. There are other ways to manage a course besides length, as you know, as far as I'm concerned. So it feels like an unnecessary or like an overcorrection almost to me. And like I know all of like the ball manufacturers are super against it. Like they're and or are they? Because now they can sell two types of balls. No, I think they're against it. Just from like what's going to happen? They're like they're going to be suggested to. Like, I mean, TaylorMade and Titleist have both came out very publicly saying, like, we think this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, their whole advertising campaign is Distance. play the play the balls the pros play. Yeah. Like the Pro V1. And so and that would be out there. I think that, it, realistically, a lot of people would probably still do that. They'd be like, oh, Rory's hitting this. I'm going to hit it. I can do right. whatever. Right. Like, that's just <laughs> You got a problem with that? Yeah. Like, we can all shank the ball left, right, <laughs> leave a putt short. We can all do that like Rory if we just use whatever ball they I'll cut out. off 10 yards to play the same ball Rory's playing. <laughs> but, like, in reality, I think a lot of people would end up doing that, which then just hurts the amateur game because they are just they still want to play whatever ball the pros are playing. And where, whereas they're pushing this as like, oh, we'll just make a super forgiving, awesome ball for – you know, people that suck, and then the pros have to play a ball from the the 1980s. Yeah, I'm worried we're turning into, like, the cork bat era of baseball. It's like you're going to get somebody that's going to nuke a drive, then you're going to get, like, Daniel Berger over here saying that he's using an illegal ball, and you're going to have to have some device on the course that you can check somebody's ball just because, hey, I hit this one too far, and I playing illegal ball. You can get me, myself a refurbished old-school Pro V1 or something <laughs> that no one's going to be able to look and tell the difference, and you're just going to always have that controversy there, I think, and I, I just I – just don't think that's something we need and also ask a question do you think that they're going to like start cutting golf balls open at the end of pga tour rounds to make sure people aren't using like i don't know i guess currently today you could cheat with a ball inside of it's just like fucking like rubber like mega bouncy ball kind of situation i guess the numbers like on the like because they have track mans on pretty much every tee they'll pretty much be able to tell if the ball's illegal i guess 
Yeah. I mean, my perspective is I'm kind of open-minded to them exploring something because like you said, shrink the fairways, grow the rough up. That just benefits long hitters even more because they just bomb the shit out of the ball and they're flipping wedges in instead of having to hit. Yeah, but flipping a wedge irons. out of the, you know, 10 I mean, that's how Bryson won the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, the stats show ago. that 100 yards out of the rough is, is generally more strokes gained than 100. But I, I found something really interesting today. So Scotty was being interviewed for the Dell match play, and they were asking him, have you scouted Augusta? And they were asking him about the 13th hole specifically because it got lengthened. And he said a lot of things about it, but one of the things he said is, like, I can't turn a ball over with the driver. It just doesn't spin enough. Like, he basically said... He can only hit his driver straight or with a little fade <laughs> versus nice. like some of these guys are like, if you don't hit the ball, well, it's going to spin all over the Same. place. And so, you know, I, I, this golf ball idea probably is shit, but <laughs> some idea of, you know, forcing these guys to, you know, whether it's clubs being less forgivable at the pro level or, you know, something like that, I, I have an open mind to, but I think that, I think that this change also benefits the longer hitters because the longer i mean the shorter hitters are gonna have to be coming in longer like longer second shots into the hole compared to the the longer hitters i mean this everyone's gonna be moving back it's not just the longer yeah, hitters are gonna have to be using this this yeah. ball that doesn't go as far so i mean i'm sure the statistics show that a 200 yard approach average into the green is not as accurate as a 150 yard approach or 170 yard approach into the green and that's what these shorter hitters are going to have to be dealing with with this this different ball yeah i fully agree with yeah that. someone ran the numbers and said okay if john rom instead of hitting 130 now has to hit from 150 but zach johnson instead of hitting from 160 has to hit from 180 john rom's actually picking up more strokes on zach johnson now so i think that that is clear and this was not a change to help the short hitter i think that that's very clear from the usda i think it's a it's a goal to make certain courses more playable in championship golf. Yeah. It's also, a land management issue, I feel like, is how they approach it. Also they, want, like, they want St. Andrews to maintain a, like, yeah, being St. Andrews and I think Marion are yeah, two of the prime examples. They want to keep them, but they also want to protect. make, like, scoring averages comparable across decades and stuff they're trying to do. But I don't know I don't know who made it, but I think it's an interesting idea that if they're shorting the golf ball, it's also going to make it, like, harder to hit, too, so we could see, like, I kind of think about that. It's like, okay, so they're making it shorter, which I think I maybe don't agree with, but it makes it a little bit more spinny and harder to hit. Makes the pros have to be a little bit better. I don't hate that. But without changing the club technology, I don't know how much that would actually maintain. I feel like we're seeing, it's kind of Dub was talking about with like people, like Scotty can only hit the ball straight is what he was dealing with. Is because the club is so fucking forgiving at this point where they can't work it as well as they maybe they used to be able to with other you know, with older models and stuff like that. So they're just going to have a super forgiving club that therefore they're now able to spin it and move it in the same way because the ball is harder to hit and it just maybe doesn't, you know, goes 15 yards less. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think this kind of oversight on the ball opens up more like kind of litigation about the clubs? Like, is it kind of a slippery slope that how much oversight is too much oversight from the, from the PGA's. I mean, clubs are heavily regulated. They have to, they can't like every, you know, I don't know. It doesn't play. They keep innovating, keep innovating. I mean, but but I think it's a bit more of a marketing scheme, honestly, than it is actual extra performance. Cause they're very heavily regulated for how far they can go and how much they can spin. But to Scotty's point, I think even though he brings it up, like he can only hit the ball straight, he can't move it. That's Mm -hmm. like a choice for him. Like he plays a driver that comes off with low spin. He could add more spin to it. But I wonder how like the golf ball kind of changes all this. I just think that even though they're trying to attack distance, like if I think about like like Newton's law where like if you can't go as far as you have to spin more, right? It's like everything has an equal and opposite reaction. I wonder how much difference it's going to make the golf ball play. I I think it's a unnecessary change. I'm I'm very firm in that. Was that Trey Turner again? Jesus Christ. Sorry, you can cut that. Go U.S. (laughs) I, I think one last thing on this. I think this this different ball gives us amateurs another excuse to use out on the golf course, especially. If I we, was playing a ball. If, if, like if we pick up a ball and we start having a couple bad holes in a row, we can say, "Oh, this must yeah. be one of those pro balls." Yeah, Clearly, it's not. Back. It's not going the way it should be. I'm, I'm worried everyone's I'm first convinced. Hit my I'm on team change the ball. I thought it was rollback, not rollback. And I'm such a control <laughs> freak around this stuff. Like, I'm never gonna play a ball in the woods anymore. Like, just thinking that it could be like a limited flight tour ball, and I'm just gonna be hitting like ten yards shorter, and you just have no idea. Oh, I'm gonna lose my mind knowing my distances is hard enough already don't give me that exactly all right that does it for us tonight thanks everyone for listening if you haven't yet head on over to instagram give us a follow at big players only pod and check out our facebook the big players only podcast facebook page we'll see you next week